Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. Hello and welcome to the Victorian Parents Council live event. This is a post-recording of the event that happened with our special guest, Dr. Marie Yap from Monash University. And in this special episode, Marie is talking about young people's mental health during COVID-19 and beyond and how parents can help in this situation. It was a very exciting call with about 500 people registered to hop on the live call. So if you were one of the ones that missed out, please enjoy this recording. It's wonderful to see so many people uh, with us this evening. Uh, my name is Jackie Vanderveld and uh, it's my pleasure to be your host this evening um, in conversation with Dr. Marie Yap. Um, Marie is an Associate Professor and Psychologist at Monash University. She is, is passionate about uh, translating research evidence into resources that parents can access to help uh, promote their children's resilience and uh, protect them from uh, and protect them from mental health and substance mis misuse problems. Uh, she developed um, a, has developed a personalised online program to empower parents with evidence-based skills and strategies as part of her Parenting Strategies Program with the aim of reducing the risk and impact of mental health conditions in children and young people. She's a mum of an energetic eight-year-old and a 12-year-old who she believes is turning 16. Um, and also Marie um, has a, a closer connection in, with VPC because with VPC and Parents Victoria being two of the peak bodies, parent bodies in Victoria, and that are both on the expert advisory committee for partners in parenting implementation project. And Marie is the lead on that as the chief investigator. So, um, so there's, there is a connection beyond uh, inviting her here this evening. We, we do know her in another context. So welcome, Marie. Thanks very much, Jackie. It's a great pleasure to be here. Wonderful to have you. Now, I've got to ask you, being a, a being a mum, a working mum, and in um, and in Melbourne, how are you coping with home mum? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want a long version or the short version? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the, the the version that's suitable for this uh, for this time of the evening. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would I would have to be honest and say that it's not easy. Um, I'm working full time and with two kids. Um, my husband's a great support and, you know, actively involved in helping out, but he's a frontline worker. So most of the time I'm still the primary carer, homeschooling and working full time, um, which, I'm, which I'm assuming a lot of um, parents out there listening in um, would, would be able to, um, you know, uh, relate to. So it's very challenging, um, but, but we were all, you know, doing our best to make it work and, you know, trying to find the silver lining. So, you know, there, there are some days that are better than others. I think that's the short version. Yeah, that was, that was very correct. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think uh, everyone's nodding. I can see Fed's nodding going, yep, yep. Living, we're all living the dream at the moment, hey? <laughs> So, Marie, we, we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this because I think we want to invite you back at a later stage. But um, are you able just to make some comments about uh, some of the practical research area that you're involved in? Yeah, so um, as, um, as Jackie touched on earlier, so a lot of my work focuses on um, 
how we can better understand parents' role in young people's mental health, um, try to translate the research evidence that's out there into practical resources that parents find both accessible and empowering. So, you know, really moving away from, um, I guess, um, not, not, not wanting to kind of just do research for the sake of research and then just having more evidence to, that could be misused um, to, to add blame to parents because it's kind of that sense of, you know, um, if my child's doing well and, and successful, then, you know, I feel great as a parent, but then if something starts to go wrong, um, I feel like I must have been a bad parent and, and that's very prevalent. Um, so so the, the focus of our work is really driven by that desire to empower parents because we, we strongly believe, and there's so much evidence to show it, that parents have such a valuable role, um, such a key role, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not for the purpose of then putting blame and responsibility on parents, but really it's about if we have so much evidence about what parents can do, then, you know, it should be a toolkit in parents' hands. So that's what we've done with our, with our parenting programs, as Jackie mentioned, um, and, and a lot of the work um, lately um, since, we first, since we've developed three online programs for parents, um, the, the focus of a lot of our work now is, is um, finding, finding out how we can further enhance the effectiveness of the programs and how we can reach more parents. So um, yeah, looking at adapting um, our programs for different population groups. So we have collaborations in the UK, in Norway and in Malaysia, for example, um, to adapt for those different um, populations and also looking at how the program could be tailored to, to meet um, different needs that um, parents might, might present with. So um, where, where the young person's already experiencing mental health um, problems, um, whether the child has felt mental disabilities, or, or families living with various um, kind of disadvantage and adversities. Um, so to, to better um, meet those needs and to empower parents in those settings. Wow. Okay. So I think we're definitely going to have to get you back to talk about that. And we've got some dates that we'll mention towards the end, at, at the end of our chat this evening. But look, Marie, so much has been said in the media about, um, about you know, concerns for mental health, both for families and, and for our children at this time. And, uh, you know, especially as, you know, Melbourne and Victoria are going, you know, lockdown 2.0, as we're calling it. Mm. What are some mm. of the trends and challenges that, you're, that are emerging with young people, uh, young people's mental health at this time that you're, you're hearing about or observing? Yeah, um, so I think in the earlier phase of the pandemic, um, across the board, um, in terms of mental health, anxiety was the biggest issue. So, you know, and, and it's not just for young people, but, you know, across the population, different ages, because it's, I mean, hey, you know, this is the first pan pandemic in all of our lifetimes, right? So there's just so much that's unknown. Um, so anxiety and stress was a big factor. Um, and, um, and now in the, the second lockdown and kind of, you know, being going back into lockdown after easing of restrictions, um, I think the concerns that are increasing now are more around depression. Um, and, you know, so just kind of people feeling like a sense of helplessness about it all. And, you know, will things actually improve? How long is this going to take? Um, and, and some of those signs of depression um, are around, you know, losing interest in things that people um, or in, a, in this case, young people um, might have been passionate or interested in before COVID, um, loss of motivation in things that they would otherwise have been happy to engage in previously, um, whether that's, um, you know, in terms of schooling, in terms of their hobbies, and even engaging socially with peers. Um, and, you know, along with that sense of loneliness, 
um, and and we've extended you know remote learning in some cases for young people it's it's a difficult modality for them to engage with so so that tends to you know build up you know a sense of disengagement from school and learning and and the more that that builds up the harder it is as well for them to re-engage so so those are the concerns that that are starting to rise Mm. Are you, are you, we're seeing some positive things too, Marie, because I know that we, we're sort of saying, oh, yeah, there's a whole heap of problems and, and you've really outlined, I think, things that, you know, certainly in the questions that we're going to address um, a little bit later on, they've certainly come through in the in parents' questions. Are there any some good good things that are coming out of this? Yeah, I I think, um, you know, we've, there's definitely, you know, positive things that can emerge. And, and I think for some, for, for many families, it's, you know, we're all stuck in the same house and we have to make it work, right? So, so I think for, for a lot of families, they haven't had that kind of time together for, for a very long time for, for some. So, um, so I think being locked down within your own household um, has given some families the opportunity to rekindle quality time. Um, you know, there's not that much you can do, you know, um, up, outside of the house. So you kind of just have to get creative. Um, and be more resourceful and, and engage in different activities um, within the home and, and um, increasingly with one another. So, so I think um, those are the positives that can definitely come out and, and I think have, have been heard um, from people. And um, I see someone posting a comment there precisely, you know, just people getting creative um, and actually learning to appreciate that, you know, it's not all bad. Um, and that, that's definitely a great mentality to maintain. Awesome. So look, we wanted to really devote as much time as we could this evening to answering questions. And we've got uh, quite a number of questions that came in ahead of time. So we'll, we will start with those. But can I ask our online um, audience this evening, if you do have a question, please pop it up in the chat. Uh, and if you're watching us on Facebook Live, uh, please enter your questions in the comments section. We have somebody monitoring that for us. Uh, so uh, we will attempt to get to as many of these questions as we possibly can. So I need my glasses for this next step so, <laughs> so that I can actually read things. Um, so our first question, comment and question that came, um, came through is, hi, I have a 10 year old and a 12 year old. My 10 year old in particular is starting to feel a real sense of despair about these lockdowns never ending. His comment to me today was the numbers will go down, then people will go around and spread it again and we'll all go into lockdown again. It would be great if we could address that loss of hope amongst young people, particularly when fears echo ours, so that ours as the parents. I honestly don't know what to say to him because I can't guarantee, of course, that exactly what he says won't happen. And in the shorter term anyway, I have said that it will and it will eventually end. So what sort of advice can we give parents? I think a lot of, lot of, lot of nods on the screen <laughs> this evening, but what advice can we give parents to, to build some optimism and hope? Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, I, just, just looking, listening to that, to that question, um, I'm actually quite um, struck by how tuned in this parent is to, to how their child is feeling. Um, which is a great thing, um, you know, so hearing something from a 10 year old like this is, is quite heartbreaking for, for a parent. Um, but um, it's great that the parents are able to look beyond those words um, and recognize that it's that the child is struggling with a sense of hopelessness. And at the same time, it's the parents tuned in enough to know that they are also struggling with that and just being honest with that, um, which is great. Um, 
it's for 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 other children, you know, um, the sense the same sense of loss of hope um, might be expressed differently. You know, in in a negative, I can't be bothered anymore attitude, or you know, even seemingly rebellious behaviors um, towards authority. Um, and and the you know the I think the important thing is you know whatever however it's manifesting so to speak um, for your child as a parent it's really valuable if you're able to tune in to what what your child is feeling and actually really thinking behind the words and the behaviors that they are expressing um, and and to recognize that um, and I I mean I think in a, in a time like this hope is such a fragile thing you know when we're confronted with so much uncertainty. In a situation that no no one fully understands and certainly can't control, um, you know, when we look at you know um, what experts in the field of trauma and mental health in the face of widespread hardships and disasters, um, what they have highlighted is the importance of allowing ourselves to to grieve over you know what's going on, you know what we feel we have lost, um, you know to acknowledge that the loss is real, you know the the pain of the loss is real. Um, and and then you know um, helping ourselves to let go um, of the loss, and that's a really important part of of the grieving process. Um, and then beyond that, you know, really it's um, it's about choosing to accept that certain things are certainly out of our control, um, and focusing instead on what we can control. Um, so you know, so as a parent, if you haven't already, you know. Um, you can be real with your child about your own sense of uncertainties, you know, um, and you could also talk about, you know, what what um, could be going on out there in, in other people's lives, whether it's friends or family um, or, or um, work friends or just, you know, from the media, you know, if, if your child's exposed to that, to, to have that conversation open um, for your child to be able to talk through these things and to hear you talking through that. Um, what I would like to emphasize is as parents, um, it's easy to be sucked into this, but it's really important that we don't ever allow ourselves to feel like we need to guarantee our children anything. Um, you know, we obviously instinctively, intrinsically, we want to give them the best. We want to protect them from what we believe could hurt them. Um, but it's, um, it's important for us to realize that our role as parents is not to protect our kids from the harsh realities of life, pandemic or otherwise. Um, our role is to support and empower our kids to develop their capacity and the skills required to face these realities and still thrive. Um, you know, I'm, that's certainly easier said than done, but I, I think um, it's in the first step, it's important that we, we um, step away from that pressure on ourselves um, to feel like we have to assure our kids um, or guarantee you know, safety or security to our kids, you know, beyond, you know, regardless of, you know, whatever else is going on. But instead to focus on how you can work alongside your child um, to, to problem solve what's going on, you know, to, to talk about, yep, there, there are certain things we clearly cannot control, we cannot predict, we cannot dictate, you know, what goes on from here, um, when this pandemic will, will end, um, and, and when these restrictions, you know, will, will, um, will cease. Um, but, and, and, you know, and, and accept that we can't, we also can't reverse or undo um, what we've lost. Um, but it is important um, to, to speak with our kids about, you know, how, how we respond to, to what's going on. That's, that's the bit that's within our control. Um, and how we respond emotionally, 
how we respond in terms of strategies um, that we are using, you know, to cope as well as, you know, in terms of, as we were saying earlier on, about being resourceful and creative about um, how we can still make the most um, of this time and the opportunities that seemingly, you know, um, the, the challenges of the pandemic are imposing on us. Um, and, and you can do that, you know, to focus on, you know, um, what we can control is we can control um, and determine how much we grow through this time. Um, and, and that does depend so much on our choices around um, how we respond emotionally, behaviorally, um, the way we think, um, what, what thoughts we entertain. Um, and, and this is, we're talking about growth as, a, as parents, you know, not just for the kids, but as parents ourselves. Um, of course, our kids and, and as a family, you know, you can grow together um, through, through the challenges. And, and I think focusing on those bits um, would be really vital um, at a time when there's just so little that we feel like we can control. That, that, that's terrific, Marie. And I think, you know, what you were saying there is this is new for all of us, right? So it's new for our kids, it's new for the parents, it's new for families. So it's not a, you know, we're all, uh, we're, we're all learning, learning as we go. Look, there's some terrific um, points being made in the, in the chat here. And for the, the benefit of people who are watching us on Facebook Live, people are, um, are putting in some comments about the sorts of resources that are around that you might want to link into. So the Raising Children Network for information and ideas on how to talk to children about, about COVID, um, that, is a, that is a good resource. There's some good conversation pieces there. Mm -hmm. um, one mother is saying that she finds practising gratitude helpful when hope is fading, being honest with them, trying to focus on the positives and even looking ahead we don't know what, it is going, what is going to happen, but we can choose to tell ourselves a good story, a story of hope and positivity. So, you know, there's some, we're all finding new ways of, new ways of dealing with things. Um, Marie, what can parents do to get children back into hobbies? Because you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, I think lack of motivation has come through or lack of interest in things that they had previously been doing or, um, had been doing, couldn't, can't do anymore or restricted in some way. Um, how do we get mm. them back into those hobbies if they've lost motivation once those, you know, restrictions have been lifted? Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it is definitely a challenge, isn't it? Because of how extended um, the restrictions are. Um, I, I think one, one of the things to look into is to, to find out what it is about those hobbies that um, your child enjoys. Um, and hopefully in, enjoys um, still, you know, so what, which component of it? Was it the um, physical activity? Was it the place where it was done? Was it the people that they could do it with? Um, and, and see if there are, you know, again, you know, being creative and resourceful, seeing if there are other ways that they could kind of um, engage with those components that they enjoy, perhaps in slightly different ways, you know, that still fit within the restrictions um you know so if you you know you can't you know engage in in footy you know in uh, in a team but you know you could still kick the footy um when you know stage four we're out of stage four perhaps um you know so or you know if you have a backyard you know, that'll be a good option um so you know being a bit more creative um you know if, if it's the physical activity if it's the you know the social component are there ways to recreate that you know virtually um so so kind of um thinking about those elements that really hooked them in about those um, hobbies previously um and and find ways to keep that interest alive um at where possible 
Um, and I guess another another thing to consider is, um, you know, if, if there are other outlets or new hobbies that um, still provide a, a similar or related enjoyment for them, um, and you know, maybe it's an opportunity to try a new hobby um, that that still hooks them in. So, so those those would be some things that I could suggest. Sorry, I've lack of physical. You. Sorry, oh. yeah, lost me. I'm back. <laughs> lack lack of physical energy. Uh, so you know, this is. I mean, we're restricted. We can't move around too much. You know, so all all of that all of that's in place. But um, parents are saying, and we had a lot of questions about this about how to respond to that lack of physical energy. Um, it's hard enough at mm. the best of times sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, that's right. Um, I think that in the first instance, um, as as a parent, I would I would want to find out um, what's underlying the lack of energy, and and there are quite a lot of different um, factors that could influence our energy levels, right? So um, whether it's it's related to how, related to how they're feeling, you know. So as we were talking earlier about, um, you know, is it lack of motivation to to get active? Um, is it related to a loss of hope about you know what's the point of this? Um, it could be it could be a, an early sign of, of emotional problems, um, but you know there, there are a lot of kind of other seemingly more natural um, factors um, like you know how have they been sleeping you know has their has their sleep um, hygiene been affected um, sleep hours and quality um, have they been eating healthily you know because um, that certainly affects our energy levels um, and and you know in in fact you know having reduced physical activity is going to reduce our physical active, um, energy levels too so so I think finding out um, you know and, and you could do this in the conversation you know try to try to um, do some detective work with them depending on the age of your child problem solve with them if they're a teenager um, and and you know get get to the bottom of that um, and it might it will take some effort to get back on track, um, you know, with, with, you know, tuning up the energy levels, but, you know, it certainly is, is worth the effort. Um, Marie, here's an, an interesting one. This comes up quite regularly, I think, too. Um, how to really help, um, in this particular case, boys that are getting lost down the rabbit hole of connection with technology. So... Uh, I mean, that's the way they're connecting with their friends. I mean, it's, sometimes it's the only way they can do that now. So, but uh, it's certainly taking up a lot of time and, and parents are concerned that that's uh, probably going to become a problem sooner rather than later or a challenge sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, that's not even, you know, considering the fact that a lot of this technology that young people are engaging with are specifically designed to be addictive. So, you know, it's, it's designed to hook them in. Um, that's how they, they get their profits. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I think um, it certainly is a, it's a very real challenge and, you know, boys and, and, and girls alike, um, and perhaps so um, more so with boys. Um, and you were saying, Zeki, that, you know, that's how they engage with friends. Uh, in fact, I would say that's, that's a better version um, because, you know, there, there are lots of technology um, addictions, uh, technology-related addictions that don't involve the social um, interactions, which um, kind of makes it even more challenging sometimes um, because that's, you know, they, they, are, they are sucked into the technology addictions um, at the expense of social interactions. Um, so so I, I think, you know, kind of it sounds a bit similar, my response to what I said earlier, but it's actually finding out what it is that, that um, they enjoy, 
about whatever they're, they're um, doing with the technology, um, you know, because there's so many different reasons that we engage in technology for. Um, and, you know, just finding out a bit more, um, again, talking, you know, thinking about, you know, are there alternative ways to gain that enjoyment that doesn't involve them spending six hours on the technology every single day? Um, you know, trying to find um, variations to their technology engagement that are more acceptable to you and hopefully more ben beneficial for them as well. You know, so in some cases, you know, if you are able to engage in the gaming with them um, within, you know, agreed boundaries, um, if, if they're able to engage socially with friends, you know, um, doing those, you know, gaming or whatever, so kind of creating that um, activity in the context of social interactions. Um, so trying to pair that with, you know, suppose um, more desirable um, um, behaviors. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, have a good conversation with your child, you know, um, be, you know, just be open about your concerns regarding their usage and, and talk about, you know, um, this, this really does concern me, you know, um, um, if hopefully they would, you know, acknowledge it, but, you know, it, it is not a good habit to be, um, you know, stuck in, um, stuck in. So problem solve with them and, and discuss what appropriate boundaries would be um, and try to, to um, be consistent with um, maintaining those boundaries. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's not something, you know, they, they'll agree to and then they're stuck with for life, right? You know, so we adapt those boundaries and those agreements with our child um, with, um, with their maturity and, you know, with their behaviors as well. Um, so having that kind of conversation, um, if you haven't already, you know, would be a great place to start as well. Yeah. So we're finding new opportunities to have conversations about probably some issues that were maybe maybe manifesting themselves um, prior to lockdown anyway. Um, we've got a lot of parents have come forward and said they're having trouble now with motivation around schoolwork and you totally understand that. But uh, it's kind of we've got to live with this now What for another, well, really till the end of term and, and who knows beyond that, mm. you know, when, when we might have to, maybe pockets, hopefully not the entire state again, but hopefully, put, you know, if it happens, just pockets. But um, how, what, you know, parents are really, have been really hard on themselves. We found that in the first lockdown. Uh, they were saying they felt that uh, real guilt and also pressure to, to, to make things happen, you know, um, at, on, with regard to schoolwork. But if mm. your child is not motivated and you're really, really struggling, Marie, what advice can we give parents? Um, I guess if it's, um, if it's unusual um, of your child to be so unmotivated about, about school, um, uh, definitely it's worth finding out what is underlying that, um, you know, whether that's, again, depending on the age of the child, you know, whether it's a conversation you can have with them, um, conversation you could have with their teachers, um, you know, it, it would be good to get a better understanding of what's going on. Um, and, um, you know, if, if the child is really struggling with motivation, maybe, you know, um, um, pulling back on, on expectations would be a really important first step, you know, so as you're saying, Jackie, you know, we, we have the tendency to be really hard on ourselves and sometimes that's also reflected in the way we, ex in the expectations we have on our child. Um, and so I think finding out what it is um, and, you know, in some cases, you know, um, the, the disengagement from, from schooling um, could be almost a, um, an ex a manifestation of a rebellious kind of like, I've just had enough, you know, with, with all these authorities and restrictions and, and limitations. Um, so, you know, getting behind um, what is, 
you know, what the behavior um, that we're concerned about in this case with disengagement in school um, would be a really important place to start. Uh, look, I totally, totally agree with you. And I think too that I think this um, this period is we're probably going to see, you know, when we're going back to school, probably greater incidents of school refusal. Uh, and I think I know that lots of parents are concerned about that. So I think you start having those conversations with school, um, with teachers as soon as you can, um, if you are concerned about that, so that it can be a, you know, a return, a return to school plan that's um, not going to be uh, mm. as stressful, not too stressful. Yeah, uh, absolutely. How can, what can I do? So a question, how can I address my daughter's extreme need for a sense of control via obsessive behaviours during this time? Mm. Um, I, I think, um, it, yes, it's hard to know from that question um, how extreme and how obsessive, extreme and obsessive are. So, so I think, um, you know, at, at, a, at a more general level, um, my gut response would be, um, have an honest, honest conversation with, um, with um, your daughter about what's going on, um, you know, what it is that they are afraid of, you know, kind of like what's the worst thing that could happen kind of thing if you, if you um, didn't engage in, you know, your obsessive behaviours, um, whatever you might call it. Um, find out if, um, if, if the young person actually believes um, or realises that their, their behaviours are, are excessive, you know, because sometimes they don't realize that, um, you know, um, and um, lack the insight into what's going on. Um, is it something that they can actually, you know, let go of at will? Or do, is it that they are being controlled by their need for control? Um, and, and, you know, if, if it's something that they can actually pull back on, you know, at will, then, you know, um, perhaps looking for alternative ways that they could channel their energy. Um, that would be more beneficial than, you know, just trying to, you know, line things up exactly the way they, they need it to be. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I think, you know, if, if it's um, something that really concerns you as a parent, um, like if it's starting to impact on your child's functioning, you know, so it's that, that need for control and that excessive um, um, obsessive behaviors are starting to affect their ability to, um, interact socially in, in, a, in, a, in a beneficial way, um, you know, with their family, with their friends, um, engage in schoolwork and so on. If it's affecting their general functioning, then it would be um, um, important to seek a professional opinion on that. Uh, thanks, Marie. Um, how do we get uh, our teenager to open up about their feelings during this time? I think that's probably not just a this time question, that's an any time question, really. Yeah, um, learn mumbling. Um, uh, um, it's a, yes, it's a very, very common challenge um, with teenagers. I mean, obviously, it depends a lot on the, you know, um, the nature of your relationship, the, the quality of your relationship with your, your teenager, you know, I suppose before they hit um, adolescence, perhaps, you know, um, kind of the foundation of your relationship. But um, I, I think with teenagers, um, Sometimes we need to be able to find those moments when they are actually open to talk. Um, and, um, you know, with, with many kids and including teens, um, this is actually just before bed. Um, and and so, so finding out what, what is best timing for your child, um, you know, while you're 
side by side engaging in a shared activity rather than face to face. Sometimes, you know, that that's less confronting for teens, especially if you're talking about something that they might not be naturally comfortable um, opening up about. Um, that you know, finding the op optimal time is is important. Um, I think you know, I guess again, depending on how old your teen is. So you know, if you're talking about younger teens, um, or if you if your child, you know, by by nature has never been kind of, um, you know, the most um, intuitively tuned into their own emotions. Um, sometimes, you know, um, putting labels um, to, to the possible emotions they might be you know, expressing through their behaviors or their words um, could help. And, and to do this for both positive and negative um, um, emotions, of course. So, you know, if, if you are pointing out negative emotions, to be careful to do it in a non-judgmental way and empathic way, you know, um, and, and to maintain that, you know, I'm genuinely curious um, and I care, you know, especially if it's a negative one, um, you know, saying things like, you know, mm, sounds like you, you know, might be feeling a bit, you know, X, whatever that is, um, or, you know, if you're comfortable or if it's appropriate, you could also say things like, well, sometimes when I um, say or do things like that, it's because I'm feeling, you know, Y, um, X, Y, Z. Is that, is that what's happening for you as well? Um, you know, so, so kind of having those conversations in a, in a non, um, non-threatening way um, and in you know, an almost casual way um, sometimes works better with teens. Um, it's also important, I think, um, for us to reflect on how we normally communicate with our teams. So um, if most of our conversations with our teams are neck, 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 why haven't you done this? When are you going to do that? Um, that? That does shut things down sometimes. So, you know, kind of maybe reflecting a bit on uh, how you normally communicate with your team that could um, make a bit of a difference. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is with teenagers, I suppose with kids, um, you know, give them time to put their thoughts into words. Um, it might not come naturally so quickly to them. And um, just because you've asked them a question doesn't mean they would have a direct response to, to your question within two seconds, especially with about a deeper, you know, kind of thing like, you know, how are you actually feeling about this? Because um, they might not actually know, you know, so they need time to process it. Um, and, you know, I guess bottom line is to keep trying because um, certainly it's worth it. Um, and just because they, you know, shut you off the first time, the second time, the third time doesn't mean they won't respond the fourth time, you know. So, so it's, um, you know, we all love our kids um, and, and they are worth it, you know. And, and, you know, sometimes it can be, be hard to be pushed away, um, but, you know, because we genuinely care, um, that will come through. Uh, that's good, and I, and I can uh, attest to the fact that uh, a no answer doesn't necessarily mean they don't know. It does actually mean they're thinking about it. They're thinking about it, um, so give them the space to actually do that. Yeah, um, I think as parents, we sort of want to jump in and you know fix it and get a conversation happening, but sometimes the silences are just as important. Uh, mm. Look, we've got some. We've got a good question. That question that's come up, and it's come up a couple of times in the chat about uh, how to seek or who should we be seeking professional help from or opinion from. Um, who should parent? Is there concerned? You know, you mentioned the concern if you think this is this behaviour of, of uh, wanting control is out of the ordinary, etc. Um, who should they mm. go to? Would that be a GP first? Um, go and speak to the yeah, GP. Yeah, I think. Um I think that's what most people would do because, you know, um, I guess most families would have like a family GP that they would know and they could relate to. So that's definitely a great place to start. Um, there certainly are helplines that, you know, you could call. So you could um, call Kids Helpline um, as a parent and relate, you know, describe the, the, um, 
the challenge um, that you're facing with your child could encourage your child to call. Um, you could also call parent line, for example. So there, there are lots of these um, avenues. Um, and because you will have the opportunity to actually talk through the details of the challenges you're facing with your child, um, in those conversations, um, you know, they can then provide more um, specific and relevant um, referral suggestions um, in that context, um, which you know, it's a bit difficult for me to do in this context. Yeah, no, I understand that, Marie. And uh, for parents who are looking for that help, you know, telehealth has, uh, has expanded exponentially, I think, uh, during yep. this time. So, you know, all of that is available to people uh, online. I know there's some, some excellent telehealth providers around um, where you can actually yep. get that help now. So um, interesting question here. What do we do when we're met with resistance to do activities we know are beneficial for our children? Um, so like, like walking outside, I know that might be a bit limited at the moment with, uh, <laughs> with the situation in Melbourne in particular, but how do we actually, over, knowing too that we've still got to remain, you know, relationships have to stay intact. We've still got to be mum and dad and we still love to get along. Um, how do we... How do we handle that resistance, Marie? Mm. Um, well, I, I think, you know, beyond what, you know, we've already talked about, um, kind of, you know, find out what it is that's underlying that resistance. Um, but I think, um, you know, again, this is one thing which um, it, would, it would push our, you know, our, our um, ability to get creative. Um, so, you know, you know, for some, some parents, you know, um, making that, activity your special one-on-one -on -one time with your child you know that that might work with some kids um you know with with some kids making a game out of it and i'm not talking about you know um you know let's go pick up you know um things from the park you know with a young child but you know being creative about how can we make this a game that's fun um and you know um if you have a teenager they they might have great ideas themselves you know if, if that becomes a shared activity um so so i guess you know if it's if it's if it's about physical activity, um, there are lots of ways to get phys physically active. So, you know, being really creative about it, making, pairing that with other things that you would want to do that you value, like, you know, spending time together and um, as a family or one-on-one -on -one, um, or doing other things that, that um, they already enjoy and making a physically active version of it, for example. Um, and, you know, there are lots of kind of virtual, um, you know, um, aerobics and disco and you know like uh, there are lots of these creative options that are out there so so those are also you know um things that you could consider um as variations that perhaps your child might enjoy more and hopefully that actually naturally hooks them in oh good 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 suggestions there we've got uh, some really interesting comments in the chat we've got uh one parent's got a got a high cardio uh, high cardio exercise has been helping uh, their 11 year old um, getting away from the screen and much happier after running around for 20 to 30 minutes, <laughs> really noticing the difference. I also know some families that have been doing, um, you know, marathons at home uh, with acti just activities, you know, rather than necessarily yeah. about doing the running, which is obviously a bit tricky at the moment, but yeah. actually doing so many hours of that or so many minutes of activity a day and counting that towards the, you know, a marathon, a marathon run that they're plotting on a, on a, on a map somewhere. So, you know, I think people are getting, yeah. make, making fun, you know, making it fun, which is really interesting yeah. too. Absolutely. Um, Marie, um, how can parents work with their children 
to now to move them from just getting by to thriving during these times? Um, I think I think a lot of it is um, in our mindset. Um, so kind of going back to where we started, really, um, it's um, focus on what we can control and influence, um, and and really going at it. Um, so making making that the goal, you know. So let let's um, let's work out how we can better manage, how we can better cope how we can make the most of these opportunities we have at home as a family and so on. Um, and, and highlighting um, how we're all growing in our ability to be creative and um, to be resourceful and to, to build those relationships that um, pre-COVID we didn't have the same kind of opportunity to build. So, so focusing on the positives, it's, it's, um, it's definitely very valuable. Um, I think the other thing I would highlight as well is um, to to be prepared to um, adjust our expectations. Um, so as parents of ourselves, um, our expectations of our kids, um, and expectations of our family, and what you know we can um, do um, given given all the, the the external constraints, so to speak. So I mean, I hope that doesn't sound too contrary to what I just said about you know focusing what we can control. Um, but, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, being realistic, you know, about expectations. And for some people, it means adjusting back, um, you know, what, what you would have expected your child to be, you know, if, if your child is in year 12 and, you know, it's a school captain and, you know, you're expecting all kinds of amazing things that they could have accomplished within that one year. Um, you know, 2020 has turned out to be, to look very different. So being able to adjust um, your expectations back and, and really sit with your child because, you know, surely they would be trying to manage those disappointments too. Um, so I think that's really important as well. Um, and, and I think, you know, and this, this sounds a bit kind of by the side, but, you know, um, to, to help your child thrive um, as a parent, make sure you are taking care of yourself. Um, I, I cannot highlight this enough, the number of parents that have come to us to, to say how challenging things are for them and being really honest about it. Um, I think it's really important that, that we do, in a sense, prioritize our own self-care. Um, and, you know, kind of almost like quoting what S. Stewart's um, say, you know, you, you put on your own oxygen mask before you help those um, around you, and that includes your kids. Um, so, you know, so, so the more we are able to thrive ourselves as parents, the more equipped we would be to support our child wherever they are um, in, in terms of their um, position in this current situation. Oh, that, that's, a, I think, a lovely way to, to start to wrap up, Marie. Um, we just appreciate your time this evening so much. And, uh, for, and, and everyone, with the comments that have been put online, I think we, we'll, we'll grab the, the resources, I think, that people have been uh, putting in the chat and, and make sure that we, uh, that we get a, 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 a record of that um, possibly on the website for later because there's some really, really good information that's being put, in, put up there. Um, can I also uh, say that uh, we're going to have Marie back here with us um, on the 17th of September and then again on the 22nd of October. 
um, and we're, we're going to take on some other themes related to um, to your work and, and this issue. Um, hopefully we're not sort of in the same situation <laughs> that we're in now. Hopefully things have moved on a little bit and we're actually able to um, perhaps have a different type of conversation which might be related to integrating back into school and, and uh, back into yeah. life a little bit more. Um, so I yeah. would like to say, take the opportunity to say thank you so much, Marie, for your time this evening. Thank you. It's been great to speak to you, Jackie. Okay. And thanks to everybody online. It's been uh, delightful having you. Check out the VPC website, um, brand new Victorian Parents Council website, uh, and, uh, and have a check on social media as well, because that's where we're putting all of the information about upcoming events. Um, thanks for your participation this evening. It's been lovely having you with us. Good evening. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sidney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. Until next time, thank you for listening.